I want to welcome you again to First Methodist Mansfield. My name is David, and uh, I'm really thrilled to be here with you, to share with you. Pastor Mike, who normally preaches this service, is in Colorado with Rhonda on uh, some vacation time, and so we pray blessings over them as they relax and refresh. And again, I'm excited to be here with you to share as we continue this series, Unlikely Heroes. If you have your Bible, I want to encourage you to turn to Numbers chapter 11. Numbers chapter 11, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers. Many of you have never made it to Numbers. You started out reading the Bible on the first page, you got to Leviticus, and you quit. But that's okay. We're going to be in Numbers chapter 11. That's where we'll be today uh, in this third week of this series. Before we dive in, I want to tell you about what's going to happen when this series ends. So we have two more weeks in this series, two more characters that we're going to look at. And then we, go, we come to July 4th weekend. If you've looked at the calendar, you know that July 4th is Saturday. Uh, I usually preach our Saturday night service. And so I was thinking about wow, I'm going to get to preach for three people on Saturday night who come on July 4th. So here's what we're going to do July 4th weekend. We're going to have two services. Can you say that with me? Two services, 9.30 and 11 o'clock here in our sanctuary. Uh, and since it's July 4th weekend, big holiday weekend, we decided to put Scott in charge, which is a good thing. That means it's going to be really good. I don't, you know, I said that at 8.15, everyone went, oh. No, Scott's in charge, which means, oh, that's why y'all, y'all did that, which means that we have the DFW Brass coming to join our orchestra. We'll have a full choir loft. It's going to be a lot of fun. So make sure you're here. Two identical services, again, 930 and 11 o'clock uh, for our Independence Day worship. Hope that you'll be with us uh, for that. So in this series, here's what we've been looking at. We've been looking at biblical characters who, would, who lived a, a life where they were unlikely heroes. So, so far we've looked at King David and we've looked at Esther. We're going to look at the third uh, person today. And as you think about this word hero, I want you to connect that with the word significance. That when we think about these individuals and the lives that they lived, that they were people who lived significant lives. And I want you to connect that with, uh, with me, a quote that I want to share with you from the book Resilience. If, we, if there's any guys here who are looking for a great summer read, I want to encourage you to pick up the book Resilience by Eric Greitens. It's a former Navy SEAL, which, you know, for most guys, that's pretty cool to read the book written by a former Navy SEAL. It's a collection of letters that he wrote to another former SEAL who, after getting back from Afghanistan, just found his life falling apart dealing with post-traumatic stress, dealing with his alcohol addiction. And what this book is, is a collection of lessons that they both learned in their training to become Navy SEALs. Into the book, this is what Eric says. There will come a day when the lights go out one last time, a day when the work and the living and the loving is all done. No one knows for certain what lies beyond that day. But if you've lived well, you can hope to become a part of a story that others are proud to tell. I hope that that kind of gets your blood pumping a little bit as you think about your life and what you want for your life, that you, we all want to come to the end of our life. We recognize that there is an end, there is a day when the work and the living and the loving is all done, and we all want to come to that place and say, that mattered. That was significant. I gave my life to something that mattered. I lived a story that perhaps others will be proud to tell. What I want you to think about as we look at this new character today and as we move throughout these series is this, these are individuals who saw that dream fulfilled in their life. They lived significant lives. 
Now again, we've looked at David, who you probably have some familiarity with. We talked about Esther last week. You may have never heard Esther's story before. Today we come to the most well-known character that we're going to look at in this series. We're looking at the life of Moses. And even if you've never picked up this book, you have heard the story of Moses. You've seen his movies. He's been featured in many of them, right? His story has been told over and over and over again. Everybody knows about Moses and what Moses did in his life. You know about the Exodus, about Moses being the one who went to Pharaoh and and, and begged him to let God's people go. You know about Moses leading the Israelites out of slavery and bondage in Egypt. You know about Moses leading the people up to the Red Sea when the Red Sea was in front of them and the Egyptian army was behind them and the Israelites thought they were trapped, but Moses or Charlton Heston, however you picture him, raised his staff and the waters parted, right? And, And the Israelites walked across dry ground. You know about Moses, the man who went to Mount Sinai and, and there received the Ten Commandments. I mean, there's some big moments in the life of Moses that we have all heard about, and I'm not going to talk about any of those, okay? We're not mentioning those at all tonight. That's, uh, today, that's not our focus. Instead, I want to take you from what the high points that we know in Moses' life, and I want to take you to one of his low points, to a moment when Moses wanted to quit, which, by the way, happened many times for Moses. He found himself at a place of disappointment wanting to quit. So let me give you a little bit of context to where we are before I read to you, beginning in verse 4. This is about a year after the Israelites had crossed the Red Sea. And so for the last year, while they had been wandering in the wilderness, they had been nurtured and cared for by God in a very specific way. Every morning, the Israelites woke up and they went outside their tent, and there they found food for the day. God provided food for them on every single day except for the Sabbath day. On the sixth day of the week, they were instructed to to collect a double portion of food so that they could have some for the sixth day and also for the seventh day, the Sabbath day, when they were meant to rest. And the other instruction was only collect what you need for that day or on the sixth day, a double portion for day six and day seven. Don't collect more than that. And this was God's way of not only taking care of the people, but also helping to transform them from a people who had lived in bondage, a people who had lived in slavery, to a people who were now turning and trusting in God. And so that's been what's going on. They've been cared for every single day in this process, but the people have grown tired of this process. They've grown tired of the food that God has been providing for them, and they're a little upset about that. And here we go, verse 4, here's what's happening. The rabble with them began to crave other food. And again, the Israelites started wailing and said, if only we had meat to eat. We remember the fish we ate in Egypt at no cost. Also the cucumbers, melons, leeks, onions, and garlic. You know life has hit a rough patch when you are craving leeks, onions, and garlic. Verse 6. But now we have lost our appetite. We never see anything but this manna. So here's the deal. For a year... For a year, wherever they had camped, they had come out of their tent and they had seen food, food for the day, food to take care of them. 
to nurture their bodies, to sustain them in this wilderness area. And when you see wilderness in the, in the scriptures, by the way, when, when we're looking at the Exodus story, you might think of the desert. I mean, that's really what it was. It was a place of desolation. And there God had taken care of them every single day. But the people have grown tired of this. They don't want manna anymore. And so they cry out to Moses, Moses, can you get us something else to eat? Doesn't God know how to make anything besides manna? And it's at this point that Moses completely loses it. Now, hear this. This is Moses' prayer to God. This spiritual giant that we know that his story is captured in the Old Testament and takes up a good portion of the Old Testament. We hear about him in the New Testament. I mean, this is a spiritual giant. I want you to hear the prayer of this spiritual giant. Verse 11, Moses asked the Lord, why have you brought this trouble on your servant? What have I done to displease you that you put the burden of all these people on me? Did I conceive all these people? Did I give them birth? Why do you tell me to carry them in my arms as a nurse carries an infant to the land you promised on oath to your ancestors? Where can I get meat for all these people? They keep wailing to me. Give us meat to eat. I cannot carry all these people by myself. The burden is too heavy for me. And then here, verse 15, again, this is the spiritual giant Moses. This is his prayer. He says to God, if this is how you're going to treat me, go ahead and kill me. If this is how you're going to treat me, go ahead and kill me. If I have found favor in your eyes and do not let me face my own ruin. This is Moses' prayer. He comes to a point of complete and total frustration in his life, and he cries out to God, I don't want to do this anymore. This is not for me. If this is how you're going to treat me, God, go ahead and kill me. I promise. It's in the Bible. I mean, open it up. This is Moses' prayer to God. Now, a couple of observations about this. One of the questions that I would encourage you to ask yourself whenever you're reading the scriptures you're trying to think about how does this apply to me in my life is to ask yourself the question, what does this say about humanity? What does this say about us? What does this say about all of us? Where, where do I find in this story the story of all of us, the, the human condition, if you will? And bringing that question to this text, we might make this observation, that we grow tired of God's miracles. We grow tired of God's miracles. So every single day, Every single day they walk out of their tent and there's food, food for the day, food to care for them, to nourish them in this place of total desolation. Now think with me for a moment, what must that have been like on the very first day? I mean, can you imagine that? You're in the desert. There's nothing anywhere and you wake up and there before you is all the food that you need from the day. Can you imagine what that must have been like? Can you imagine the conversation that must have taken place in the camp, the way in which they must have interacted with one another as they looked around and said, God was here. God showed up while we were sleeping, and now there's food. And then think what it must have been like on the next day. Because again, they had been given the instruction, just take what you need for the day and trust that I will provide for you tomorrow. And so the next day they wake up and they step out of their tent and they go, he came back. He did it again. How amazing is that? There's food here for all. I wonder if he'll come back on the third day. And you know what? He did. 
Day after day after day, they woke up, there's food. All those days leading up to the point where they finally said, God, do you know how to make any other food? (laughs) We're tired of this. We've lost our appetite. We don't want to eat your manna anymore. Can you make us something else? We grow tired of God's miracles. And in our weariness, here's what happens in our hearts. We move from a place of awe and wonder to a place of expectation and a place of entitlement. And we say, God, don't you know how to make anything else? I mean, nice trick, but what else do you got? We grow tired of God's miracles and we forget that even this moment is a miracle. I mean, this moment you hear right now is a miracle that you are still alive only because of the breath of God that inhabits your body. That's a miracle. And it's happening right now and it just happened again. But we grow tired of it. We forget what it really is. But here's the other observation that we might make is that Moses had the courage to be honest with God. And he expressed to to God a desire to quit. Moses had the courage to be honest with God. Now this this is not something that we should rush past because some of us in our prayer life, we find ourselves stuck because we sort of have this, this idea that, well, I got to say it the right way. I don't, I, don't, I don't know how to pray like Pastor Mike does or, or this other person who is this spiritual giant to me that I got to figure out the right words to make this work. And yet, listen to Moses. Listen to how Moses prays. I'm pretty upset with you, God. This isn't working. This, I can't, just go ahead and kill me now. If I mean, that's a pretty big challenge, right? Like, don't pray that prayer. That, that sounds a little bit... This is Moses, who's just sharing his honest heart with God. And now look with me at how God responds to this prayer. The Lord said to Moses, Bring me 70 of Israel's elders who are known to you as leaders and officials among the people. Have them come to the tent of meeting, that they may stand there with you. I will come down and speak with you there. And I will take some of the power of the Spirit that is on you and I will put it on them. They will share the burden of the people with you so that you will not have to carry it alone. So did you hear Moses' prayer? Did you hear what Moses was expressing to God? Moses was saying, among other things, God, I feel so alone. And God says, you're not going to be alone anymore. I'm going to take some of the power that's on you and I'm going to share it. Tell the people to consecrate yourselves in preparation for tomorrow when you will eat meat. Now, this is how you know that God has a sense of humor. Listen to this, okay? The Lord heard you when you wailed. If only we had meat to eat, we were better off in Egypt. That's God's way of saying, I heard that. I heard what you said. And now the Lord will give you meat and you will eat it. Parents, you should love this part, right? That's dinner, and you're going to eat it. You're not getting... No, that's something else. Now, the Lord will give you meat, and you will eat it. You will not eat it just for one day, or two days, or five, ten, or twenty days, but for a whole month until it comes out of your nostrils and you loathe it. This is why you should bring your Bible to church, so you can look and go, that's really in there. It is. It is until it comes out of your nostrils and you loathe it, 
because you have rejected the Lord who is among you and have wailed before him saying, why did we ever leave Egypt? And then Moses responds, well, where are we going to get this meat, God? What's going to happen? Listen to what God says in response. Moses, is the Lord's arm too short? In other words, have you forgotten who I am and what we have done? Have you forgotten this and the waters parted? So Moses went out, this is verse 24, and told the people what the Lord had said. He brought together 70 of their elders and had them stand around the tent. Then the Lord came down in the cloud and spoke with him, and he took some of the power of the spirit that was on Moses, and he put it on the 70 elders. So Moses cries out this honest prayer to God. And what does God do? God responds. God responds. God says, I've heard the people calling for meat, and I'm going to give them some meat. And he says, I know you feel alone. And I'm going to take care of that too. I'm going to take care of that too. On Thursday, I had the privilege of preaching at our Celebrate Recovery service. If you don't know anything about Celebrate Recovery, it meets Thursday nights at 6.30. And it's a ministry that is about helping people in their recovery from their habits, their hurts, and their hang-ups. Celebrate Recovery is an expression of our conviction that everyone is recovering for something, which means that everyone celebrate recovery is for everyone it's for anyone who struggles in their life with a habit or a hurt or a hang-up which is all of us it's every single one of us we all have that in our life celebrate recovery is based off of the uh, 12 steps that alcohol anonymous is based off of and you may not know those steps i want to read you the first two the first step is we admitted we were powerless over our addictions and our compulsive behaviors that our lives had become unman- unmanageable that's step one so step one in recovery is coming to this place where you can admit that you do not have the power to fix yourself that life left to your own skills and insight and strength is unmanageable and you need help. The second uh, step is this. We came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. That's the, that's the AA step. Hear, hear how Celebrate Recovery expresses that. We come to a, po- a place where we believe that God exists, that I matter to him, and that God has the power to help me recover. That's, that's step two. So recovery begins at the place where we acknowledge that there's a power that is higher or greater than ourselves. You might say that recovery can only happen when we approach it with a posture of humility, the acknowledgement that we are powerless, that life is unmanageable, that we cannot fix ourselves, which is why no one can be helped who does not acknowledge their need of help. No one can be helped who does not acknowledge their, their need of help. For help. It's, it's frustrating, right? You've experienced this in your life. You've seen that no one can be helped who does not acknowledge their need for help. Recovery, change can't happen until we have the courage to say, I can't fix this and I need help. Moses is a giant. I mean, he's a spiritual giant. He was a man who was used in tremendous ways. He he, he was a man who did this, and an ocean parted. He he was present 
with God there for some of the most amazing experiences that we read about in the Old Testament. And yet what I want to suggest to you that what is so remarkable about Moses is not what happens at that place of triumph or success, but how Moses responds when he comes to a place of disappointment. And if you read Moses' story, here's what you'll see. After every moment of triumph, he ran smack into the wall of disappointment. He brings down the Ten Commandments. Pretty cool. People are worshiping a golden calf. Not good. He takes the people all the way to the edge of the promised land. He sends spies out. and The spies come back and say, you know, it looks kind of hard. Let's just wander around a little bit more. Over and over again, Moses comes to these places of disappointment, but every single time Moses does the exact same thing. It's so, so simple, but listen to this. Moses turns to God every time. Every time he finds himself at this place, Moses turns to God and he says something like this, what you just heard here, God, I can't do this. I can't fix this. I don't have the power, I don't have the skill, I don't have the strength, and I need help. It sounds so simple. And yet we all know in our life how hard it is to admit that we can't fix it. We can't make it better, whatever it is, and that we need help. Some of you have heard from a friend, someone who cares about you, a statement. The statement is this, God will not give you more than you can handle. How many of you have ever heard that or shared that with someone in your life? Okay, I need to tell you something. That's a lie. Ooh, (laughs) that's a lie. Hear me, friends. Life is more than you can handle. Life is more than I can handle. And over and over again, life takes us to that place when we either recognize that or we rebel against that. Life is more than we can handle, which is why the scriptures say we need God and we need one another. We need God and we need one another. And one of the things that Moses never forgot in moments of triumph and success and moments of utter disappointment and frustration. Moses never forgot that he needed God and he needed others. It's coming to a place where we would say this, that my strength is overrated and I do not have to do this alone. And in that first sentence, you can replace that second word with lots of different things. My strength is overrated. My skills are overrated. My knowledge is overrated. My experience is overrated. This idea that I have the power within myself to do what I need to do is totally overrated. But there is a power that is available to me if I will turn and say, God, I need help. God, I need help need help. So here's what I want to encourage you with as you think about the life of Moses and this this unlikely hero in in the scriptures, that part of what Moses' story conveys to us 
about faith and what it means to live as a person of faith, to live a significant life, to live a heroic life, is to come to an understanding that you live with these two convictions. You are not alone, and God is with you. You are not alone, and God is with you. You are not alone. God is with you. Let's pray. Lord God, we ask for your forgiveness for those times in our life when we grow tired of your miracles. When we forget to say thank you, Lord, and instead develop within our hearts and in our minds an attitude of expectation and entitlement where we forget, Lord, that even this moment, this moment right now is a miracle and that we live only by your grace. Only by your grace. We pray, Lord, that you would bless us all with courage, the courage to humble ourselves, to admit that we don't have it all together, and with faith to turn to you and to say, I need help. Remind each of us today, Lord, of the power that is available to us if only we will turn, if only we will claim humility and share our honest hearts with you. God, I pray especially for anyone in here who may feel alone, who may find themselves at a place like Moses where they just want to quit. I pray, Lord, that in a word that is shared today or maybe uh, in, in this time of worship or maybe something they'll hear later today, Lord, that, that, that your spirit would testify to their spirit that they are loved and that you have not forgotten them. All these things we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.